Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast, and thanks for joining us. We hope this encourages you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective on how God is actively moving in your life. Enjoy the message. God is is not just the God that we learn about and we get knowledge of. Um, God is, he's a God that we experience. And um, our experiences, they never trumped trump what god's word says but they're built off of what god's word says that we can have and what we can attain what we can do when we come together in worship and in prayer and what can happen is built off the deep rich foundation of the word of god um we've been in this and by the way uh we're not leaving this moment i'm just going to go ahead and give you a heads i want to give you the direction of where we're headed i think god wants to do some things in the hearts of those who are here um, we're in the series about uh, questions, and um, I was very surprised at. And if you ask this question, don't you know? Don't I don't want you to feel bad. I was just caught off guard by a question that was asked, and um, it was asked in a, in about fifteen different ways. And the gist of the question was this: They'll put a really long version of it on the screen. But basically it was this is like if God's all knowing, he's a good God. If he loves us, if he's sovereign, he's in control, then then what is the point of prayer? And I, by the way, let me say this. Um, you're not if you ask that question, you're not the only person who is asking that question. And it's a question that sometimes, you know, when I'm not feeling it or when I, I, I'm just I just don't physically want to engage in prayer. I kind of start reasoning in my head the same way. But you know, I, I, I look, sometimes I look at God in the different roles that Scripture says He is to us. And one of those roles He tells us that is that He's our Father. Right? He's our Father. And um, my kids know that they're going to get to eat every day. I think. We think, right? Caitlin, Caitlin said, and we put any pressure on me. And I know this is really like when you're talking about, you know, a holy God, our earthly analogies, if you think them through long enough, they, they eventually break down. So it's not even really a great analogy, but it, maybe it'll help us understand an aspect of this. But like, what if what if the kids just decided to quit talking to me and Caitlin because they knew that regardless of what they did, they were still going to have food on the table. They were still going to have a roof over their head. It's true that when we are saved, we're put into a different legal standing with God. Like our sins have been forgiven. The Bible actually says this, that when we're saved, our very nature is changed. You weren't just like saved and just put in right standing with God. Your nature was changed. You used to be an enemy of God and now he, he calls you a friend and he takes it even a step further and he calls you a child of God. You were actually rescued from death and brought to life. The Bible says that when, listen to me, when you were saved, don't clap yet. It says that y'all are some clapping people and I love it, but I don't want you to clap. I want you to listen. 
You were taken out of spiritual blindness and now you're in a place where you can actually see yourself for the sinner you were and Christ for the Savior that he is. And all of that is beautiful and all of that's amazing, but we still get so caught up on just the legal aspect of our relationship with God and sometimes we forget the whole relational component. Yeah, we're walking around saying I'm saved, set free and delivered, but have we drawn close to him as father lately? Like there's more to your salvation than, than and I don't want to belittle being put in right standing with God because that's it's huge. And if that's all we got, man, it would be enough. But the Bible says if we seek him, we'll find him. Like he wants to walk with you in a deeper abiding way if we abide in the vine and he abides in us. And in moments of prayer and worship, there are times for us to abide in him. The reason many of you are struggling to pray is the same reason that I have struggled to pray. Because it's this cold, calloused, have I been praying long enough? God, here I come. I'm here and I need some stuff from you. I need bills paid. I need relationships restored. And because, as our director of prayer, Nelson Radford, always says, because your prayer time is not enjoyable, it's not sustainable. Because your prayer time is just so caught up on the legal aspects of your relationship with God and it's not looking towards the relational components. Some people say, how can you pray for two hours straight? Well, we, we prayed and worshiped God this past Thursday night at youth camp for like three and a half hours straight. And the only reason we stopped is because we ran out of energy. The real question is this, how can you get into the presence of God and only hang out for five minutes? That's the real question that we should, how can, you, how can you go one day without drinking from his fountain? How can we go miss one meal? How can we? Prayer is more, it's more than I have to, it's a I get to. And as you learn to pray, you'll move from duty to discipline and then you'll move to delight where it's like, you know what, I, know, I, I notice it. I notice it like my soul's growling. I'm a little hangry right now. I need, I need to go be alone with the Lord. I notice when I go the whole weekend because I get off my normal routine and I hadn't been with the Lord. And so we don't, we don't pray just to ask God to do things on our halves. The halves. We're praying for all, we're praying to, to God for God to align our hearts with his will on this earth. We're praying, we come to him and we we ask him when we're weak, when we're struggling with temptation. We just get real and raw and honest and we just pour out our hearts to them. And there's like eight promises in scripture that say this: that if you see, young man, what's your name? Tyler came up here and, and I see it all over you, man. He came up here seeking the Lord this morning. He just, he wants to have his relationship with God like that deep one you used to have. And I see it all over you. And it's the reason, the reason you're experiencing it right now is because you're seeking it. We're not, we're not, we're not 
earning the blessings of God by being obedient, by stepping into his presence and by opening our mouths with praise and by praying. We're actually positioning ourselves to receive what God says we can have. So the short answer for why should we pray is another, it's it's just another question. Why wouldn't you want to pray? It's not about legality. It's about relationship. It's about intimacy. And when you have, the Bible says that God, he made us in his image. So we can take some of these relational analogies on earth and make application to our spiritual father. Right? Anybody ever been on a date before? Wow. Well, next we're going to be changing our sermon series up next week on how to start dating again. You've ever been on a date, right? You go, you eat together. That's, that's the most important part. But usually what do you do? Like sometimes you have a really good conversation, right? You just talk, you get caught up. You express your heart to the person you're on a date with and they express their heart to you and you guys kind of like, you just, you just learn more about each other. And because you learn more about each other in that time, like the intimacy just flows from that, right? But then there are some times where you don't talk and you just stare at each other and you just be with each other. Let's move to that place in our prayer. Now I can send you home right now. You've, you've got enough. But we've got some time here to position ourselves to practice praying and to practice our worship. And I will tell you this, this is a, an amazing, this is a good classroom to learn how to pray. It's a good classroom to learn how to enter into the presence of God and to abide in the vine and him abide in you. And then I know that the Bible promises the fruits of the spirit, they're going to manifest themselves. So I wanna ask you right now, you can stay in your seat. If this is your first time, I do not apologize for what's happening. And I can promise you this, this is gonna happen a lot in the future. This is not abnormal here at this church. We're more concerned about going after the heart of God than following a stupid order of service. I have no idea what to tell you our services will look like in the future. It might be something completely different. We just know that we're going to be obedient to God. We're going to learn about, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to seek God. We're going to have relationship with God. And I want to challenge you right now to do something you've never done. Step out into a different level of obedience. If you come to the altar, come down to the altar. If you want to step out of your seat, step out of your seat. If you want to walk around the room while we and just pray and just worship, but I want to encourage you to open up your mouth and dialogue with God. Can we do that right now? God, we come to you right now. We say, Lord, we love you. We honor you. Hallowed be your name. You're a great God. So we open our mouths in praise and in worship and in prayer. God, and we say, align our hearts with your heart. Oh, align our hearts with your heart. Lord, our true desire is to abide in you, to dwell inside of you and you in us. And so, God, I, I come to you right now. We just express your greatness. Oh, God, we sing the glory and the excellencies of Jesus, the name above all names, the name above all names, the name at which demons tremble. 
We just lift up the name of Jesus right now. Oh, we sing your name. We sing your praises. So, so the reason, the reason this takes, this takes time. The reason we just can't like just jump straight into the sweet spot is because the entire week, the entire week, we've been on download from the world. The entire week, right? And so the, the reason like the longer you sit in an environment like this where you can actually feel the presence of God, the reason your heart starts getting a little bit softer and you start hearing a little bit more is because the reality of the eternal kingdom of God is becoming more real to you than the temporal kingdom of this world. We spent all week providing for our families and praise God you have a job. But what does that do to us spiritually? It continues to put us in a position that this is all there is. So we come in here and we hear worship going up and we actually direct our hearts towards spiritual activity and all of a sudden things start clicking. Things start becoming more real to us. The disciples were with Jesus and they asked him this question one day. And this probably isn't the question that I would have asked. It's the question they asked though. I would have wanted to know like, can you give me three steps to casting out demons? Or like, how do you do that die and come back to life thing? Like, I'd have, but this is what they asked them. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And then Jesus said this. He said, all right, I'm gonna teach y'all how to pray. And what many, many of you have memorized as the Lord's Prayer is actually, it's an elementary startup guide to learn how to pray. It's not a prayer that we should pray and then be done. Y'all yeah, yeah. remember the first part of it? If you played on a baseball team in Eastern North Carolina, you said this before every game. You were, how did it go? Say it for me. Our Father. Okay, stop real quick. So the point of the prayer wasn't to say, Our Father, Jordan, heaven, hallowed be in the name, kingdom come, that will be done on this in his name, give us day our daily bread, uh, forgive us trespasses, our forgive us trespasses, to the glory of the kingdom forever. I mean, I mean, I mean. That wasn't the point to pray that. It was a, if you broke it down in a little guideline, it was a primer to pray. So our Father that is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So when we open up our prayer time, now this is just a, this is elementary prayer. There's like thousands of verses on how to pray. But this is just, this is just our startup. How many of you want to get started on your prayer? Let me see. You want to get started? What a good environment to learn how to pray in, right? Our, our, our daddy. Whatever you want to call him, Big Papa. My soul provider. Whatever you need to say to understand the relationship with him being father and you being child. Our father that's in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. In other words, you're pretty awesome. And let me just hang out there for just a minute and talk about it. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're gonna, I don't know when we're going to leave, but we're going to learn how to pray this morning. We're gonna learn how to pray. And when I pray, I love to have some like worship music in the background because sometimes I just, the Lord just gives me a song to sing and I, I, it might not be good, but I don't really care. I ain't singing for y'all. I'm singing to him. So right now I want you to open up your mouth and I want you to pray in to that section of how to pray. 
So God, we come to you right now. And it does mean open your mouth, by the way. God, you're, you're our Father. We were your enemies, and you didn't just make us friends, but you made us children. God, so we, we, we just honor you as, as Father, as provider. God, as Dad, and we know that you want to have a deep abiding relationship with us. God, and we thank you for that. So God, we call you Father, and we say hallowed be your name. You're a good, good, good God. Come on, even if you just tell him how good he is, that'll be just fine. You can repeat the promises of God about God until you start believing them. You're a good God. You have our best interest at heart, God. And right now, I don't really fully believe that you're good because what I'm going through absolutely stinks. But I know that you're working all things together for my good. Hallowed be thy name. You're the name above all names, God. You're not just a good God but you're a great God. Not only can you do it, but you're willing to do it on my behalf. So God, we sing about your greatness. We sing about the name of Jesus, the name above all names. You're our great provider. God, you're our healer. God, you're our revelation. You're the bread of life. You're the water. You're the deep fountain that we drink from. Oh God, and we'll thirst no more. Oh, you're the, you're the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us, that left heaven to be like us, to live like us, but yet not sin like us, so you could be a sacrifice for us. So we say, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be your name. Come on, just pray. Engage with what God says about his name. Oh, we lift up our praise to you right now. So then he told him, he said, our Father which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Now, hold on, let me stop. If, if you're waiting to learn how to pray before you pray, you're going to be waiting the rest of your life. I, I completely, I get it. I understand that it can feel unusually odd to open your mouth and talk to someone that you can't see. And I understand that sometimes we want to feel things before we walk in obedience. But I'm, I'm challenging you to walk in obedience before you feel what you want to feel. So he said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's next? Kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'll be honest with you. Most days I can't get past this part of my prayer time. Because the first 10 minutes of it are me praying a prayer of apathy. Apathy. In other words, God, I need you to remove all self-interest in my heart to the things that are going on in my life. I want to actually be able to fall on my knees and say, not my will, but your will be done. But God, right now, I ain't even believing that. But I know your word says that, right? So we pray that prayer. Our Father, Jordan, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I want to challenge you to open your mouth right now and practice your prayer. Practice your praying. Pray about some situations that you're, you're worrying over. Can I tell you this? If you're worrying over them, you don't have the will of God yet. Because when you have his will, for the situation, you're going to get peace. 
So it's a key indicator that you need, we need to pray right now. Can we pray right now? God, your will be done, not our will. We resolve to lay our will down and say your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We know that we have a great, great prize and a great reward to look forward to. But you said we could taste heaven on this earth. And God, we say we align our hearts with your will right now. I want you to pray about some specific stuff that's going to ask for the will of the God in your life. So this, this requires everyone's participation. To become better at praying, we, we pray. Then he says, he teaches them to pray this. Seems like it comes out of nowhere. But he says, pray this. Give us this day. How many of you know that part, right? And it, it's a real rich comment. It, at, at first glance, it's just like, yeah, give me, give me some toast. But that ain't, it's not exactly like what it's saying. It's, it's a reference back to the Old Testament. How many, wave at me if you know where I'm going, because I want to see how much I need to explain. Wave at me if you don't know where I'm going. Be honest. Be honest. Come on. I just need to know. Okay, yeah. It's a reference back to the Old Testament when the Israelites, God's chosen people, were led out of Egypt, which is symbolic of sin and slavery. So God brings them from this sinful, enslaving place. He brings them and he's taken them to the promised land. But guess what they have to go through first? A wilderness. They've got to go through a bunch of trials. They got to go through a bunch of tribulations so that they would be the people they needed to be to be able to inherit and handle the promised land. Now, some of the wilderness experience was their own doing. Some of it they had nothing to do with. But the cool thing about it is that God like never really points it out too much. But this is what he makes a promise to do. He says, I'm going to sustain you and I'm going to cause it to rain down this stuff called manna. How many of you know, now I know what I'm talking about. You've heard of the old manna. Basically, when you look up what manna was in the Old Testament, I tell people the way I translate it, it was Krispy Kreme donuts. It was a wafer that had like a little bit of a honey taste. So like I'm trying to bring it over into 2020. And I'm thinking like some carbohydrates with some glazing on top of it. That's a donut, y'all. But the thing about it is this, is that God said, I'll cause it to rain down every day, but I don't ever want you to get more than one day's supply, except the day before the Sabbath. And the only reason he told them to do that is because on the day of the Sabbath, I want you to give it to honoring and worshiping me and resting, not working. And it's, it's crazy that if, if, if they tried to, to collect more than one day and they would go store it in a place it would get maggots in it by the next day what was God teaching them to do one of the steps in recovery alive that's coming on September 3rd is the power of process so when we say give us this day our daily bread some of you actually need to pray it over your finances. Because like, like me, I told this church, this is one thing I've, str I've struggled with for a long time. God's showing it to me. 
just a very strong fear of poverty. And so I, I, I struggle sometimes to believe that he is my provider. And because of that, sometimes my reactions to things are driven by a fear of poverty. How many of you can relate with what I'm saying right now? So this is a really special part of praying to me is I pray, God, give, give me this day my daily bread. And when I'm praying this, I'm asking him for everything that I need right now, but I'm also letting him know that tomorrow I'm gonna need you again. I'm, I, here I am, a poor beggar, begging bread. Every single day, I'm back at your feet asking you for more. In this part of the prayer, we're praying and we're, we're proclaiming our dependency on God to provide. If you're really smart and because you're really smart, you've got a great job and because you've got a great job, you've got a lot of money, you still need to pray, give me this day my daily bread. Because when you don't pray it, do you know who you're saying is your sustainer? You. This is not, we don't go look in the refrigerator before we pray this prayer. Because we might go look in the refrigerator and the refrigerator crashed overnight and you lost everything in it. We don't go look at our tools to see if they've provided for us yet again because they haven't. They're just being instruments being used in the hands of God. So right now, I want us to spend some time. Remember, we're practicing prayer. That's what we're doing. You can sit, stand, walk around, come to the altar. I always think the altar is a great place to come pray. Or make an altar out of your chair. But right now, we're going to spend some time and we're going to declare our dependency on God we're going to ask him. Some of us are going to need to ask him for daily bread financially. Some of us are going to need to just get out of this whole self-dependent thing. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I made myself. No, you didn't. So let's do that right now. God, we say right now, we are 100% dependent on you. Give us this day our daily bread. God, rain down your manna from heaven. You have every single thing that we need. For today for this moment God and you designed us to come back tomorrow and ask you again because you want so bad to have this deep abiding relationship with us you're this good father whose heart and desire is to pour out your perfect obedient will over our lives and so God we come together in agreement with your will and we say give us this day our daily bread provide for us father god we pray that you remove any kind of pride any kind of false trust that's in my heart search my heart right now god if i'm trusting in my abilities too much show me right now if i'm trusting in my business plan too much show me right now god if i'm trusting in my spouse to give me what you can only give show me right now god i want to be fully dependent on you so search my heart, oh God, search my heart. Oh. So y'all know the next part of the prayer, right? Anybody want to yell it out for me? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, that whole part. So uh, this is, I think it's here in, in this point in time in prayer, like chronologically for a reason. Because the more time you spend in God's presence, 
the more likely you're going, he's going to start pointing out and showing you the stuff in your heart that needs to change. Now, I'll say this. If in your mind you're saying right now, oh, I don't need to, I don't really need to pray this part of the prayer. You actually need it worse than anybody right now. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. We always say this around here that spiritual maturity, um, you would think, you know, that it means that we, uh, we're, we're being free and we are being free. It would, you, it would look like a sinless life, right? Spiritual maturity. But the truth is, is that the closer you get to a perfect, holy God, the more you realize that he's got better for you than what you've got right now. And so we pray this time and we ask God, we, David prays this really good. David, he says, search my heart, oh God. There's a bunch of verses about this. He says, God, I want you to show me hidden sins. I want you to show me presumptuous sins. You know what that, you know what that insinuates, right? It insinuates situations in your life where you absolutely are positively sure that you are 100% right, but yet you are 100% wrong. And you need the Spirit of God to show it to you. So we ask, we invite God to show us our hearts. But there's a catch to it. He says, forgive us our trespasses as... We could do three or four messages on forgiveness. But the skinny on forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is obedience. It's not something that you feel. Eventually, your emotions will catch up with your obedience. How long will it take? Take some people five, six, nine, ten years. Take some people five days. But just as an act of obedience, we just we actually verbally forgive people. And we don't say, God, forgive, forgive those people who have done me dirty. Forgive my haters. That's not what we pray. Because when you're on the lawnmower, you're not thinking, oh, you know what? You're not thinking real vague. You're thinking real specific when you're on the lawnmower about all the people that have done you dirty or when you're driving down the road. So you actually call their name out. You say, God, I forgive for doing this to me. God, I I have placed them into a debtor's prison. And because of that, I've actually also put myself in that same prison. So God, as an act of obedience, I forgive. And we just pray it out loud. And you go as long as you need to go. Some of you, you got 20 people you need to forgive right now. Some of you, you know the person you need to forgive right now and you know what you need to forgive them for. But while you're praying this prayer, at the same time, we're praying, search my heart, oh God. Forgive me of my, forgive me. Because at the heart of unforgiveness is a spirit of self-righteousness. It's a spirit, it's, it's, I cannot, I'm willing to hold you accountable for something wrong you've done to me, but want God to forgive me of the tiny little, the big things that I've done to him. The parable of the man who was owed a whole lot. The the, the Bible, Jesus taught this. There was a man, he owed one man like a million dollars and the guy comes and he says, you know what, pay me the money or I'm throwing you in jail. How many of you know the story? 
pay me the money or I'm throwing you in jail. And the guy says, I don't got it. Please don't throw me in jail. And the guy says, all right, man, I'll, I'll forgive you. Like, really? Yeah. Well, for, the dude that got forgiven, found, remember the dude that owed him about 50 bucks. So he walks over to the guy that owed him 50 bucks. Now, remembering that he, he owes this guy like a million bucks. He says, pay me back my money right now. The guy's like, I ain't got it. He's like, well, I'm going to throw you in jail. Jesus said when, when the master heard about it, he came. He got this guy who refused to forgive a small debt, even though he had been forgiven a huge. And the Bible says he cast him into the place where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does that mean? I think the only thing we need to say is it ain't good. <laughs> it ain't, it's just not good. You're, you're going to, you're, you're, your unforgiveness has become a dam to your own spiritual health. And I know what you're saying, you're saying, but I can't forgive. Actually, you can, you can just say it as an act of obedience. And you can actually say that, God, I don't feel this. So let's pray it right now. God, I, I, don't, I don't feel this at all. I don't even really wanna do this, but uh, I can be obedient when I don't want to. That's actually at the heart of obedience. So God, I, I say right now, I forgive. Come on, say their name out loud. Put their name right there. I forgive for, just say what, you, what you're forgiving them for right now. God, I, 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 I know that I've put them into a debtor's prison and because I've done that, I've placed myself, I've opened myself up to attack of the enemy. I've brought myself out from underneath God's umbrella, his perfect covering of authority. So I submit my heart to obey by releasing forgiveness. Now, God, turn and show me my stuff. God, and forgive me of my trespasses. God, forgive me of my sins. God, just do a, a heart exam right now. I want you to pray like that. Ask God to do a heart exam in you right now. Ask him to just check your heart right now. This is the way we're, we're going to go home this morning in Isaiah 61. There's a bunch of stuff there. But there's two things that, that um, describes why Jesus came and, and who he is to us. The Bible says that he's given us the spirit of joy for mourning. And he's given us the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And so... Um, I still sense it like we, we actually did this in the uh, run through this morning when the team gets here about 745 and uh, I still look out and I still see some of you who are you, you're, you look you just look like you're struggling just to be honest with you by the way we all feel that way sometimes and the Bible says that there is a prescription for a spirit of heaviness there is a prescription for a spirit of heaviness and it, it's called the garment of praise and I, I don't think that it's called the garment of praise. Like he could have called it a bunch of things. He could have called it a bottle of praise, right? He could have called it a plant of praise, but he calls it a garment of praise for a very specific reason. And I think it's, it's because we can actually just in obedience, just put it on. Yeah. Yeah. And so this morning, I want to ask you if, if you're, this is how we're going to leave the service. And look, thank you so much for coming forward and saying this. It's the, the power of confession. The Bible says that if we're open and we're just brutally honest about our, about our sin, about the things we struggle with, we'll get healing. 
And so that, that's part of where we're headed, guys. When Recovery Alive launches on September the 3rd, I pray to God that everybody that walks in realizes how imperfect everybody else is. Because there's such a culture of just open confession. And so I want to ask you this morning, if you, if, you're, if you have like the spirit of heaviness, you just feel down. I want you to ask you to stand up and walk down here to this altar right now. Come on, we're going to pray with you. Anybody. You would just get up and say, I need prayer. I need help. Anybody. Come on, be obedient. Thank you. Anybody else? This is how we're leaving. We're going to stand and sing some more and you can leave. You can love on people. Anybody else? You're struggling. Just you're down. You're depressed. You're sad. You, you're ready to see it go. Just break out of your seat right now. Come on down here and we're going to pray for you. Anybody? Anybody else? Cool. If you want to help me pray for these people, you're more than welcome to jump on down in here and we will. We hope that you have been encouraged today. And if you're looking for more information about who we are as a church, you can visit us online at BethelChurch.info. Be sure to join us again next week as we continue to grow together in God's Word.